0: Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, finishing up a series on a scary church. We've talked about churches that are scary because they fail in their mission. Because they don't teach their people what to believe and how to think Christian. And they don't train them to live as Christian and apply their faith to the relationships and others. And those are scary churches and there are those around, of course. And you hear about them in the news. And today we're going to talk about a different kind of scary church, a scary church that actually does its job and trains its people and makes them warriors for Christ and those kinds of things. So open your Bible to Matthew chapter 10. Hold open if you would. Matthew chapter 10. The dangers of a life-changing faith. As always, we pray. Pray for this church facing challenges with... Not just people and members, but financial challenges with our new HVA system and those kinds of things. Pray that God would work in people's hearts to give and support the ministries of this church. Pray that God would work for those that, in the lives of those that have had surgery. Dave Brown and Mike Hart and uh, Letha Burton has been in the hospital all week. Pray for them. And then pray that God would work with you and lead you to service. I'll give you a few moments to pray silently. I'll close and then we'll look at this passage together. Bow with me please. Heavenly Father, we worship you today. We gather, we chisel out a couple of hours of our time and worship you. We do so, Father, to thank you for your blessings, to praise you for your works and for your character of love and integrity and purity. We thank you, Father, for teaching us how to live, how to build lives that are better. Not because we're better people, but because you make us better better than ourselves. Thank you. We pray this morning that you would be with us in worship. Hear our prayers. Speak to us from your word. And work the work that you do as your spirit is working in our lives and hearts. We open our hearts to you, Father. We proclaim our faith to you and in you. And we trust you with our lives. In this world, many struggle. We've mentioned those that are going through difficult times in our lives. Provide healing where that is needed. Give comfort and hope to those who are in difficult circumstances. Lord, around this world, we know so many people are at war. We think of Israel and Palestine. And so many other places. We pray for peace. We pray for our elected leaders and those that have power over us that you would give them wisdom and discernment in this election season we pray father that we would think clearly that you would move in those that are running to speak truth to be gracious and kind to demonstrate good behavior we pray that you would help us to hear and discern for the truth guide us father We pray for those in other lands that are struggling. Israel and Palestine, of course, Ukraine and Russia, and so many others. We pray for peace. We pray for hope for those people that are in miserable situations. Heal families that have lost loved ones and give them comfort and hope. Lord, it seems as if we are destined to destroy ourselves and others. We ask for mercy and forgiveness for our sin, for our callous approaches towards others, for our selfishness. Be merciful upon us, Father. And Lord be with us today. Help us as we serve you. We pray that you'd be with those soldiers and first responders wherever they may be. Protect them in their service. We pray that they could help people save lives and honor you. Comfort they and their families. And Lord, this morning we ask for your blessings. Not only on us as a people, but on those on this earth. We need you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The most dangerous type of Christian, the most dangerous type of Christian faith Is a faith that changes your life it can cost you everything on screen is a picture of a woman by the name of Nicole Watt you don't know her on the world scene she's really nobody she was a leader in the Reiki movement it's R-E-I-K-I it's a Japanese faith healing movement it's got about a million adherents all over the planet it's one of the more popular consistently uh, popular faith healing movements and that's their thing The idea is that they tap into the spirits of the universe. They're not Christian. They are decidedly not Christian. They do not follow Jesus. They do not follow the one God. They use words like eternal spirit and things like that, but they're not Christian. Strangely enough, they're very effective in healings of certain types. When Nicole was a young girl, she became interested in faith healing for some reason, raised in a good Catholic family. She soon rejected her Catholic upbringing, to, to most, no small concern to her family, but she was really interested in this spirit of the universe thing. So she started seeking it out and there was a Reiki movement in her area and she got involved and she had a gift of working with people. She could ingratiate herself into people's lives and she knew instinctively, somehow, to pray and ask somebody to do something and, and she prayed to God at first And then she finally moved away from that as she became schooled in the movement of faith healing. And she began doing not seances, but something like that. And they would pray for the spirits to heal. And they would lay on of hands and light candles. And and kind of the things that you expect. It was all in the up and up and pretty legitimate. She She really was a good person. And went on like this for some time. A number of years maybe eight or ten years until her young adulthood and she was seen as one of the up-and-coming leaders in this worldwide movement like I said there's about a million adherents of course they're all on the internet now you can read about those if you'd like but she was just one of those leaders and she just knew that that was her life's calling and then somehow and this is how she tells it for some reason she began to have this knowing thing in her gut that something was amiss remember she was raised Catholic and rejected it wasn't a follower of Christ but she knew that something was wrong she continued to go to faith healing and do those things she was gaining some kind of notoriety in her part of the world and made a good living at it she would charge of course and became very popular in her part of the world and spoke at conferences and led in those kinds of things and she had a good life ahead of her as a Reiki spiritual healer but there was this gnawing in her gut she said I just knew something was wrong and without really intentionally doing it she said when she would meet with her friends and they would talk she began to mention maybe you should pray and she said it, the words just come out of her mouth and and they said well we do and they were praying to the spirits of the universe and and and, and she heard herself saying maybe you should ask God to help you she said she couldn't explain where it came from she just knew that something was something was amiss she went like this for a year or two and she began she says to feel this hunger for something more the teachings that she was giving out and her experiences as a faith healer were all good and legitimate she thought but she realized that there was just something something amiss so you know what she did she got her a Bible started reading that pesky book didn't start going to church or anything like that but as she read scripture some of those old feelings and thoughts came back from her upbringing because she'd gone through catechism and those kinds of things and she started in privacy praying to God through Jesus She started turning it down some opportunities to heal. She found herself talking more about praying to God and and praying in the name of Jesus. And she said, I don't know where it was coming from, but it felt like that's just where I wanted to go. And being one of those that followed how she felt, that's what she was doing. And this went on for some months. And what happened was, like I said, she was very popular in her part of the world and very well-known and she was a gifted speaker and those kinds of things. And she started mentioning God and mentioned Jesus. And she started losing her popularity. It kind of happened at the same time. As she lost her popularity with the people, she began to gain a sense of faith in following Jesus Christ. It was hard for her to find a church. She didn't go to the Catholic church, but she did find a church, talked to some friends that were Christians, and over a long period of time, a year or two, she began to realize that what was missing in her life was that something that was real more than just the spirits of the universe. and It wasn't a lightning bolt or anything like that. She just knew that something was wrong. Something was missing. Finally, she lost all repute as a faith healer, and they rejected her. Because they didn't want anybody in there who was going to talk about Jesus. See, there's, this thing about following Jesus is you follow Jesus and only Jesus. And that's a very clear biblical teaching. Jesus doesn't share, by the way. You follow him and you follow no one else. And, and she understood that. And so when she began to follow Jesus, she knew she had to walk away from where she was. And she lost an entire circle of friends she lost an entire circle of contacts and and those that approved of her doings and and she lost her income as a Reiki spiritual healer nothing dramatic nothing that made the news she follows Jesus now again you'll probably never hear of her you can find her information on the internet if you like but she's just a normal person and when she began to get involved in scripture and she started attending a church everything changed and it changed her life the church she went to I don't even know where it is not a big church not one of those churches that makes it on TV or has a lot of money or fancy buildings just a church church that that taught scripture that taught faith in Jesus that taught following Jesus and Jesus alone taught read your Bible and study to show that self-approved and all those kinds of things that Christians talk about. and she did it. And she walked away from a very good life. You see, what happened was she stumbled into a dangerous Christianity, didn't she? She stumbled into a dangerous church, a scary church, because if you took what they said seriously, it was going to change your life, which is exactly what Jesus intended. Follow along with me, if you would, as we read in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. See if this rings true with the story. Matthew 10, beginning at verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life shall lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. This is what Jesus was talking about. Her experience was exactly what Jesus was talking about. Follow me and me alone and you will lose something Now, Jesus, sometimes people misinterpret Jesus' words here, and that he, he wants you to break free from your family. That's not necessarily the case. But if you take your faith seriously, sometimes that will happen. Because sometimes people that love you and are not followers of Jesus will not understand. And they will be repulsed by your faith. If you study human history, it's really fascinating. When governments gain power, they oftentimes get rid of Christians. You know this, when communism gains power, one of the first groups that they eliminate are pastors. And then they find people who are involved in churches and took their faith seriously, and they eliminate those people. They disappear them as a term now. I've talked about my daughter involved with some missionaries in Vietnam, a communist country, Christianity is legal if you follow the rules. The rules are you can only talk about Jesus in the walls of the building where you meet. That's it. When people break those rules, they are disappeared. That's the way it is in much of the world. When people become part of a scary faith, governments are threatened. People are threatened. That is exactly what Jesus Knew what happened. It's not that he wanted it. It's not that he intended it. He just knew it would happen. If you follow me, if you take me seriously, you will be disappeared. He could use that modern language because it's offensive to people. Even in our culture, we're beginning to sense some resistance to gospel teachings. There's not a widespread persecution like you hear about or anything like that. But it is obvious that if you speak clearly for your faith and you're a strong Christian, that some people don't want to hear you. Like I said, we're, we've got it good here. We need to remember that. So don't get too worried. In this election season, people say silly things. But Christianity, when it's alive and vibrant, will challenge people for all sorts of reasons. In our passage, Jesus was explaining to the disciples what it was going to be like to follow him. You see, they didn't understand. They knew that Sometimes when Jesus preached, the crowds were thrilled to have him around. But there were always people there that were angry. Some of the lawyers and scribes and Pharisees attacked him persistently, and they didn't want to hear him. And and then there is always pressure from the Roman government to shut this man down. And they didn't understand how bad it was going to be. So Jesus was preparing them. This sermon was aimed at his small group of followers. He said, listen, if you follow me, it's going to be hard. If you take me seriously, if you get involved and your your faith becomes strong, you will become scary to people because you will threaten governments, you will threaten those in power and those kinds of things. So when you hear about that and see it in this world, understand Jesus said, be ready for this. Not that he wants it, but he wants you to be willing to follow him no matter what. There's a lot of reasons on screen are some things. He wants to transform our hearts and minds. Jesus doesn't want to just make you nice. He does. If you're mean and rude, he wants you to get over that. If you're insulting to people and got a big mouth, he wants you to get over that. If you're rude and you don't care about how you treat people, he wants you to get over that. Yes, all those. But more than that, he wants to be someone that he can use for his kingdom. He wants you to think Christian. He wants you to act Christian. More than just wearing a cross, more than just hearing somebody like me every Sunday morning, he wants you to allow the words and the Spirit of God to change your heart to serve. On the next screen are some things that he can work with that we see this in Scripture. Read this passage of Scripture with me. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. See, Paul explained to a different group of people, Christians in Corinth, that God wants to be in your life, in your business, and he wants people to see it. None of this secret stuff. Years ago, I was pastor of a community where there was a growing church and they had private baptisms. And someone asked me about that. And I was, I was really offended by that. Because they wanted private baptisms where no one really knew. And only certain people were invited. And didn't want to do it in front of people. And I said something to the effect that, you know, it's just not Christian to do that. And people were really angry at me. They thought I was attacking their church. And I really wasn't. What I was attacking was this idea that you could follow Jesus privately. You can't. If you're going to follow Jesus, people will know it. Now that doesn't mean people don't try it, but if you're going to follow Jesus, people are going to notice, and it'll slip out when you follow him, and you become a different person. How you treat people becomes different. In our own nation's history, social movements have occurred because Christians Began to be offended by their own practices slavery for instance and things like that the way we treated American Indians and things like that and All that business that our nation been very guilty of Christians began to chafe at that because they realized we can't do that and They got in trouble and sometimes their churches kicked them out got rid of them And sometimes government forces worked against them because they didn't want that it was dangerous to think that way and yet they were doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do. Allow their faith to change their hearts and minds. When you hear about the way our nation was in the past, and sometime is today, you realize a lot of people were Christian in name only. It's kind of dangerous to follow Jesus. On the next screen is this other idea that we are a chosen people. Read this with me. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is probably one of the most radical teachings in the New Testament. You've heard it so much, you just know what I'm talking about. Not radical to you at all. But the idea that you do not need to clear your thoughts with a preacher is so radical. Established, religions, established movements, despise this whole idea of you thinking for yourself. You get in the way. And they could put the kapash on that pretty quick. And churches have done that, both Catholic and Protestant. And in many movements of the faith, there have been strong leaders and they were adamant that you must do what they said and believe as they said. Because it was dangerous to have crazy, uncontrolled ideas. And yet... Crazy, uncontrolled ideas is exactly what God wants us to have. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That means he wants you to think for yourself. That doesn't mean you reject primary doctrines, but when your church or your faith or your group begins to do things that are counter to Christian teachings, then you call them out, graciously at first. It gets louder after that, of course. Because he expects you to call out those things that are wrong. Over the years as a preacher, I've talked to a lot of people about how they think preachers should act. And people generally think that preachers need to do this stuff. That when we see something wrong in the culture or something wrong in a society, it's our job to point it out. And that's true. But do you see the truth of this passage? You are the royal priesthood now see this is counter to the way people do things the way that people do things is there's a preacher who speaks in front of a crowd and sometimes he's charismatic sometimes not but he can get people to do things and people think well that's a good leader and he is but God wants you to be that person too he wants you to be outspoken and and speak for the faith and press others to follow Jesus with your wisdom and grace and faith in your own circle where you go to church where you play cards your circle of friends he wants you to be sure that you remember that you're the priest whenever you go around to people and there's non-christians here you're it he expects you to teach and preach and proclaim the message he expects you to think for yourself now there are teachers, good and bad, and he expects you to sometimes find good teachers and let him help you. That's all true. But ultimately, you are responsible for you. You can't, and on judgment day, you know, we have this idea of how it's going to work. You can't say, well, you know, Jesus, I'd have been better, but it's the preacher's fault. Kevin didn't tell me. You know, that's not going to work because he's going to say, well, wait a minute here. Didn't you have a Bible? Well, Yeah. Didn't you have the spirit within you? Well, yeah. Well, didn't you read this? Well, yeah. Well, why? Well, Kevin said, no. Not going to work that way. He's going to get in your business. He said, I intended for you to think for yourself. So do that. Let God change you. Because the crazy thing about thinking for yourself, it will challenge you. I have told you that I help homeschool my grandkids. I am amazed at how strong a 13-year-old girl can be. And if I say something and it's not according to what she believes, she is in my face. I thought, well, wait a minute, I'm pop. And she doesn't care. And I have to give an argument and I have to give my piece. And, and we usually end up agreeing, but sometimes she's beginning to think for herself, now she's 13, she's just a kid. But she's involved in Bible studies and those kinds of things. And and some of her ideas I don't like. And so if I challenge her, I can tell she clenches her jaw and she turns like this. And she's so far pretty nice about it. But you know, I can't be too critical because she's thinking. She's thinking for herself. Now, hopefully, she'll come to think around the way I do because that's the right way to be. No, I'm not kidding. You know, that's the way, we, the way it, is, it If people are thinking you're gonna think like me, of course, how could you be smart and not think like I think? Well, you know, that's not the case either. And I'm beginning to see that, you know, that this little girl, first of all, it's really annoying because she is smarter than me. And she's got one of those brains that just sops up everything. And, and I've got one of those brains that's beginning to drip stuff out. You know, it's one of those things. And you know that, how that works. And I, I can't be critical, though, of a kid who thinks and reads scripture. And goes through that process of God changing her. And God is changing her. And that's a good process. Kind of dangerous because you never know what's going to happen. And you can't control people like that, can you? And that's the danger of being a Christian of faith. God, God uses you. On screen is this idea that this healthy Christianity, it may lead you to a lifestyle that challenges normal and comfortable Now what is normal and comfortable? That's by your own definition. There's no one way that's normal and comfortable. And you know that and so do I. So don't try to do it. Don't try to impose your understanding. Just understand that what may become normal and comfortable for you may be changed when you allow God to work. Now, you and I as a congregation have adopted one of our own, Kylie Weir. You guys know her, right? One of their grandkids. Kylie Weir's a sweet little girl grew up good church good family followed Jesus went to college gonna be a pharmacist incurred that debt all those kinds of things and doggone it she didn't get involved in a ministry and she felt God calling her and she began to take that faith seriously where it was no longer acceptable for her to do what she'd been preparing herself to do so left a great job and is now a full-time minister in a campus and that's her life. You see, that's what a, a dangerous ministry does. It challenges you. It may take you away from the things that are normal and predicted and acceptable and things that you intended to do. And you can see that this faith isn't necessarily something that scares you, but it leads you to do things that may make you uncomfortable or get you in uncomfortable situations. And it may, it may scare your parents and grandparents. I've always challenged my kids, my daughters and their families and grandkids to follow Jesus and I want them to do that. But I don't want him to follow Jesus too far away. You know, and I I gotta be careful, don't I? I want my granddaughters to follow Jesus. I I don't really want them to go to a foreign land though. Don't want that. And I want them to stay in the Kansas City area close to me where I can see them. I don't want them to marry the guy they want. I want them to marry the guy I want, right? You know what I'm talking about because I I want to I want him to live what I think is normal and healthy and that may not happen they may do something very different and as Christian I have to ask myself well good grief what am I gonna do how do you argue with someone who follows Jesus how do you argue with someone who says well this is what God has called me to do I mean if he's calling them to do ministry and, and follow Jesus and it's everything you've been preaching and saying all your life uh, it's kind of scary. So when I say, I hope my granddaughters and grandson follow Jesus, I, yeah. But I hedge. I got to be careful there, just like you. On screen are some characteristics of the dangerous Christian. Changed relationships in the passage we read. Jesus knew. That if you follow Jesus and take him seriously, there's going to be problems at home and problems with your relationships because not everybody you know or love is going to follow Jesus. And they're going to caution you. And they're going to try to stop you and things like this. And it doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they're not where you are spiritually. And you have to accept that. You have to be careful. After I became a preacher, went through a long process, went to college and all those kind of things. Only after I was pastor of my first church, my dad acknowledged to me that he had felt the call into the preaching ministry when he was a young man about my age. I said, well dad, why didn't you become a preacher? Because he ended up working at the Ford plant. And a deacon and all those things. He said, well because I had six hungry kids and I didn't see how I could quit and go to school and, and all those kinds of things. And so he lived out his faith as best he could. And, you know, I could not only be critical of him, I'm sure that in my arrogance I was, but, you know, I'm a little softer now, I realize the pull, 600 kid, hungry kids and those kinds of things, for him to become a minister at, in that day would have been seen as very irresponsible to his family. His family was Christian, but not too Christian, you know what I mean? And his, his daddy wouldn't have permitted it probably had one of those dads. So good people sometimes hang back. I understand. Jesus may lead us to live or make decisions that separate us from good people. Doesn't mean they're bad people or anything like that. And it isn't necessarily what God wants. But sometimes it's just the effects of faith. It's, it's scary. Sometimes dangerous. Change commitments. If you would look at verse 38. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Following Jesus is the most important thing because it's the one thing that has eternal results. Hobbies are important. Family is very important, yes. But following Jesus is the most important in terms of a scale of most important because it's the one thing that is eternal. The longer something lasts, the more value it has. And he wants you to start thinking that way. And then finally... In verse 39, look at that if you would. He who has found his life shall lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. Sometimes you will lose when you follow Jesus. Is it worth it? I think so. It's hard to see. It's hard for other people who love you to see that too. It's hard for other people in the community to understand. You've been around in groups of people who talk about missionaries and they they talk about how someone could have been, they could have done so much with their life and they ended up just a missionary. You know, and we've got to be careful with that. Thinking that way and talking that way. If they're following Jesus and doing what God wants, they're living the very best life they can live. Whether or not it's what you think is irrelevant. And that's another thing about a scary faith is how someone lives out their faith well, you just have to let them go and live out their faith. And and that's hard when you love them. I understand. When you follow Jesus, every pesky little detail is subject to his lead. What you eat and drink, how you spend your money, if you spend your money, what you give away, what you save, what you do with your time and energies, all those kinds of things. God calls us to sacrifice. God calls us to do things that are scary. Sometimes to give away something that we want to hang on to, to let go of it. Sometimes that's time. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's some of your monies. You know, God calls us to sacrificially give. Tithing, yes, and even more. That's a call from God. And if you sense that, God's calling you. If you feel like you need to do something more, follow that. Whether it be giving or serving or anything. God's call is, well, it's more important than anything else. On screen is a final passage. Read this, Myth, if you would. And Jesus was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. See, Jesus was very clear to his disciples and others. You follow me. I expect everything. No cost, no charge, but it will take everything of your being. And that's the intent. He wants you to become so absorbed in the faith that everything else becomes secondary. He still wants you to value relationships and love people and love family and take care of your commitments he's not telling you be irresponsible but he is saying listen when you plan your life I'm first and that my friend will lead you to the life that is best for you strangely enough you know I've read lots of stories about missionaries that suffer and lose family members and go through really hard times I've never read of a missionary who said I wish I wouldn't have done that they all say the same thing I was doing what God wanted, and I'm glad I did it. They're not glad for the loss, but they're glad they follow Jesus. So the challenge is for you to do that today. The challenge is for you to follow Jesus every time. Make the decision to follow him. Nate's going to come and lead us in a closing hymn of invitation. It's an opportunity for you To talk about those issues that are burning in your heart, some of you are thinking about making some decisions, Jesus will say, follow me, no matter what, and that's the best decision you can make. Nate? Let's stand and sing. Thanks for coming today. One concern, I've mentioned some things about giving back and all those kinds of things. Uh, in our business meeting this morning, we approved what the finance committee had chosen, how we were going to pay for our air conditioning system for this building. And it's a huge chunk of money. And I'm going to ask you to consider giving something extra. I don't normally do this. i This is an unpleasant part for me. But God has led us here he's blessed us in the past and I think he can now if you can think this week about what you might give extra towards this air conditioning system it's a huge pot of money and you know we're going to survive but we survive because God blesses us and he leads us to give so let me encourage you to think about that Michelle let's pray Father God, thank you for the message this morning. Lord, I just ask that you would help us listen to that nagging voice, but not only listen to it, act on it. Sometimes we push against what you want for our lives, and we just ask that you would help us to be able to submit to that and follow you. In your name I pray, amen.